so two things uh, are happening this week. Uh, pretty big. One, I'm moving for, I think, what is the 8,000th time um, in the last uh, nine months. And I also think I'm going to throw away that novel. <laughs> Fuck. I'm fucked up right now. Um, let me break it down to you. I've been writing this book for three and a half years, and it's probably been the hardest thing I've ever tried to do. And you can think about it this way, you know, if something feels like it's so difficult, maybe you're doing it wrong, or maybe I'm doing it wrong, you know, I can, I can look at it that way. Um, and uh, right now, that's kind of how I'm looking at it. And I'm looking at it that way because of a couple of reasons. Uh, the biggest reason being this podcast. Uh, if I hadn't had these conversations with authors, you know, numerous at this point who have <laughs> thrown away their first books, things that will never see the light of day or maybe came back later or who the fuck knows. Um, but if I never had these conversations, I'd probably be... I'd, pro- <laughs> I'd probably stop writing and just start painting or something dumb like that. Uh, I, I, I don't know what's happening. I do know this, though. I do know that the other book that I am writing, which I'm now like 13,000 words into, and I think at this point I might have it finished in a couple of months is flowing out of me is exactly the style that fight kid was like i love that style um this rock and roll book it hasn't been in that style i still don't really know what my style is i don't know what this fucking podcast is i don't know what anything is right now all i know is i'm stoked on this new thing and i'm also stoked on the fact that i'm not completely fucking miserable about this novel maybe not working out and it's a hundred percent due to this podcast and that is dope and i'm feeling pretty stoked uh and i don't know what's gonna happen with the book i don't know what's gonna happen with anything uh but i do know that you're gonna enjoy this next episode and please do follow us on twitter and instagram instagram at writing friction twitter at friction writing and as always please share share tell people you know yeah all right thanks peace What's going on, everyone? And welcome to another episode of Writing Friction. And as always, today's guest is pretty cool. Everyone say hello to Walter Mosley. How are you, Walter? I'm fine. Fine. You know, it's a, I guess it's Friday, right? It's Friday. Yeah. I, I don't even know. What mo- I, I think it's 2021. 
We can hear that. that down. I'm not sure what month it is at this point. I think it's still January. Uh, I don't know what's going on anymore. Um, mm-hmm. I had a quick question. I wanted to save it to the podcast. Is that your paint supplies behind you? Are those your oh, paint? Yeah, 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 they are. They are. are you a, do you paint also? I paint, yeah. I mean, I'm not very good at it, but I love doing it. I've been doing it for a very long time. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, so, yeah. Well, how, how long have you been painting as long as you've been writing? Oh, much longer than I've been writing. Really? Maybe 50 years. Uh, no, no, 50, let's see, about 58 years, I guess, yeah. Okay. Where were you born and raised? Los Angeles. Really? Um, and how much time of your life did you spend in LA? Have you bounced around from place to place, different places? I, I lived in LA until I was 18, 19. I left then and I was, you know, I lived in Vermont for a while, seven years, I think. And then Boston, you know, Massachusetts, another four or five years. And I've been in New York well over 30 years. I am in Los Angeles right now. And I have been here for the last year. You know, I was here working on a TV show and then, you know, COVID happened. Uh-huh. I had a, an apartment on the beach. I said, well, I'd rather stay in an apartment on the beach than deal with New York uh, at that time. So Most definitely here I am. Have you been doing any writing this past year or were you working only on that television show? Oh, yeah. I've been doing lots of writing. I, pu- I published a book uh, maybe six months ago, The Awkward Black Man. And then I have my, the book coming out, uh, you know, in a few days, uh, Blood Grove. Um, I think there might have been another book in there. Um, down the river onto the sea, I think might've been while I was here too. Yeah. Well, that's why I'm kind of stoked to talk to you. Your output seems to be tremendous. Um, have you always been the kind of person who gets after it? Are you a routine kind of guy? I mean, do you write every day? Do you write all the time? What's, how do you put out that much work? I write every morning. Yeah. I write every morning. And, um, very often I write, I write fiction every morning that, though, you know, I'm, I'm doing a, a, a I'm doing a, a, I call it a television show. It's, you know, Apple TV, um, uh, based on one of my novels, the, the last days of Ptolemy Gray. Uh, and you know, that's a lot of work It's six episodes, you know, finding actors doing all this stuff. So I've been kind of constant. I haven't been doing fiction for, for the while that I've been doing that. So, if you could bring us back, um, what got you to writing originally? You kind of <clears> came at it a little later in the game, I guess, than some of the other people we talked to. But that's why people like the podcast, because I came at it later in the game, too. How did you get to writing that first book? Um, well, you know, it, it wasn't writing a book. I, I, I wrote a sentence, on, uh, and the sentence was, on hot, sticky days in southern Louisiana, the fire ant swarmed. I wrote that sentence, and I, and I was a computer programmer then in New York working for Mobile Oil on the weekends. So I was the only person there. And I wrote that sentence. I said, wow, that's a nice sentence. That could be like a novel. So I started writing, you know, uh, based on that sentence. That sentence actually never went anywhere, but... Um, I, you know, I just kept writing. And, and I, after a while, I had this idea, you know, I said, well, you know, I would like to write a story beginning, middle and end. And so I worked toward that end. And, and, and then, you know, I studied, I went to, a, a, I went, I studied with this guy for a while. And then uh, City College, uh, CCNY in New York had a, a writing course. So I went to that, um, you know, and, and time went by and, and so at some point, you know, a novel happened, but I wouldn't, I wasn't really planning on it. And I certainly wasn't planning and not even on getting published. I just wanted to write a story, you know, but you know, things happen. 
Yeah. Um, you said you were computer programming in New York. My, my father did the exact same thing for 30 plus years. Um, he worked, yeah, but I don't think he was working for mobile. Was it the kind of, were you working at night? You said you were working on the, when, when, I'm sorry, were you writing at night? When was that time? When did you find the time to do it? Only well, you know, I, 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 I was right in the morning, you know, and, and before that I was, you Even know, back then. yeah, yeah. Even back then I was drawing in the morning and then I started writing. So I stopped drawing in the morning, you know, or every morning and I started writing okay and, you know and i just kept going well why that, that seems to be a pretty you know big transition maybe in personally from going from art to writing did you totally to totally replace it was there a confidence in yourself in that first book did you think you were on to something maybe different or just new and exciting it was more a desire than a, a uh -huh. you know i mean i you know i still wanted to draw and i still did but I, you know, I wrote every morning. So, you know, I sit down and say, well, I need, I need my two or three hours to write. And if I had more time to draw, I would, or maybe I would draw in the, you know, after I got home from work. Yeah. But, so work happened after I wrote, I wrote. And in those early days, how did you kind of deal with, I mean, was there anyone kind of boosting you up? Did you have bad days in the beginning? How did you work through that process? Were you asking yourself how to become a writer? I was just enjoying it. You know, I mean, it's like, you know, you imagine like, you know, somebody's playing pickup uh, basketball games, you know, yeah. you know, what, you know, what picks you up is that you actually, you know, do well, you know, and I, I felt like I was doing well. And uh -huh. So I just kept writing. Uh -huh. And then <laughs> yeah. you finish that first book. Then what happens? Well, you know, the first book I wrote is a book called Gone Fish and nobody published it. Mm -hmm. um, Did you query it out? Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. yeah I, I sent it out. Uh, people didn't publish it. It was, you know. I mean, it, it, it was uh, the same characters that, that happened in my first in my first uh, mystery, you know, uh, definitely on a blue dress. It was the same characters, Easy, Rollins, uh, Raymond Alexander. Uh, what what happened, uh, you know, was I, I sent it out and people were saying, well, you know, it's really good writing. We're really enjoying it. But, you know, uh, it's about two young black men coming of age in the deep south. And, you know, and, you know, there's there's givens. White people don't like black people. Black women don't like black men and black men don't read. So your book isn't going to do very well. So we're not publishing it. Uh, publishers were saying this to you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was it was true for them. They be they believe that. Mm hmm. And, you know, and so, you know, because everything else I said was well, a really good book and you're a really good writer and yeah. we'd really love to do something uh, that was commercial. But this is not commercial. I mean, to say it won't sell. But but then I wrote, you know, Devil in a Blue Dress. And the thing was, it's a mystery. And I said, wow, a black detective. And I said, well, you know, there's a whole bunch of white detectives. And they go, well, we don't. What does that mean? You know, but, uh, you know, now they know what it means. But they didn't then. But, you know, then I got, you know, Devil published and I was happy, you know. That was when was that the early nineties? Nineteen ninety was when uh -huh. Devil. Uh, and what was the? Do you? I mean, having you know, now we're thirty plus years later. Any big differences in the way the, that business works now than it did back then? Well, there's no difference in the way the business works, but 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 uh, but there there are you know things become more commercial. One of the things that have become more commercial is is, is books you know by by uh, black authors about the you know the you know black world. You know mm -hmm. it's there's a it's a, so there are many more more writers. I belong to an organization that I helped start called the uh, you know Crime Writers of Color, and I, there's almost 300 members. In, in, in that in that organization now, I know, you know it was unheard of you know back then when I started mm -hmm. and when that um, I'm sorry remind me the name again of the book um, the second book you said you wrote definitely in a blue dress when that 
kind of popped off. What was that experience like? Was that kind of, was it, it all happened quickly? Was it kind of a long draw? Were you, I mean, were you writing just the next book as that was happening also? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 you know, the people I knew who were writers saying, listen, start writing the next book because mm-hmm. no matter what happens, either people love that book or hate that yeah. book, but, but it's going to mess up you writing the next book. Mm-hmm. And so I said, okay, sure. And I was, you know, writing the next book and I, you know, I enjoyed it. And, you know, listen, when, when you're, when you're like in your thirties, uh, and, you know, for, as far as I'm concerned, I was already a failure, you know, I mean, I, n- not a failure failure, you know, like I wasn't living on the street, but, you know, there was no big future for me. I was, I was you know, a computer programmer. I, you know, I made enough money to pay the rent. I, I didn't really save much money. There wasn't much money to save. You know, um, I was that was me. That was my life. Uh, and so, you know, I, I, you know, it's pretty big in writing. I published, I've been in a lot of countries. I think the third book Bill Clinton read and he really liked it. And they invited me to the white house. It was all that stuff, you know, and I was very happy about it, but you know, you know, you, you think, well, but I'm, I'm me, you know, it's not, I'm becoming something mm-hmm. I'm already me. And that was fine. I'm, I'm writing books. And I, the thing I love the most about writing is writing. And so I kept doing it. Mm-hmm. We've talked to a couple of authors. Um, Janet Fitch comes to mind immediately. Um, mm-hmm. She kind of came to writing a little later in the game. Um, and then I'm maybe you're aware of her novel, White Oleander. Um, it kind of, you know, was just a huge success. And we had yeah. her on the podcast. And she, I mean, she said her words, it completely fucked her up. And she was, you know, that for three years, she was stuck, you know, writing this long book and, you know, had a breakdown and all these kinds of things. Um, you're saying about your third book, Bill Clinton's inviting you to the White House. What was that like? I mean, you know. You know, it's, it's normal. It's like everything else. You know, I mean, I mean, you're in the White House. But, you know, there are people in the White House. There are people, you know, in Harlem. There are people, you know. Yeah. In, the beach in Santa Monica. I mean, the the idea for me, it, it wasn't. I was happy that people were reading my books, mm-hmm. and if it was Bill Clinton or you know or, or Joe Jones on the street, I'm I'm you know just as happy you know in either situation. And you know, and I'm me, and I and I do what I do, and and there's a you know I have certain kind of political kind of things with my books, and I have uh, you know uh, you know kind of aesthetics or artistic things to my books, and and that's what's important. Um, I I don't think I ever I, I don't think I was ever you know emotionally you know set upon uh, by writing or by by success in writing, and I, and I know listen, I know a lot of people that happens to, mm-hmm. and it, I feel really bad about it, but I, you know. What do you say? You know, I mean, that's about something else, right? It's not about writing. It's about something else inside of them, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I think the way you go about writing helps with that by just going to it every day. Um, mm-hmm. Again, you know, we've had some other authors come on and they don't write every day. They don't write every week. Sometimes they don't write at all for three months and then they'll lock themselves in a room for, you know, a weekend and spit out a manuscript. Um, it's kind of goes along with the line of writer's block. I mean, you know, it's like, do you believe in writer's block? If you just write every day, what's there really blocking you um, other than yourself, in my opinion? Well, you know, um, it's interesting, you know, I mean, writer's, writer's block is like, you know, uh, if you say somebody's sick, so I'm sick. And so, what, well, the first thing you ask, if somebody says you're sick, you say, well, what do you have? You know, it's, it's not like, you know, the sick isn't a definition. You know, it's a state, but it's not a definition. And um, 
You know, some people actually have deep emotional problems. And those and, and if when the writing and, and you know the expression and, and the deep emotional problems come into each other, they really can't write, you know, and they you know need therapy or medication or something. You know, yeah, you know, some people it's just maybe they're they're nervous about what their family is going to think or they're going through, you know, like a, you know, like a, a period like this thing they're trying to work with is trouble. So you say, well, OK, don't write that. Write something else. You know, so it depends. You know, so writer's block isn't just one thing. I think some people actually really do have an issue. It's, you know, it's like, you know, it's when Patton got mad at the guy who was shell shocked, you know, and came up and hit him. You know, so, well, no, wait a second, man. This guy really is shell shocked. Patton is never going to be shell shocked. You would have to kill Patton for him to be shell side. But that doesn't mean that other people, you know, don't have that, that thing, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, you come off obviously full of confidence. I mean, were you always confident even back then when you first kind of started getting your feet in there? I mean, you say yeah. you wrote you right to enjoy it, but you had to have some kind of confidence to putting yourself out in the world. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think so. You know, I'm confident in being, you know, a human, you know, I mean, I think, you know, people, you know, uh, you know, am I the best writer who ever lived? No. You know, uh, and am I the worst? No. You know, I'm I'm writing these stories. I like the stories I write. The, the stories I write yeah. are things that I want to write about. Yeah. Um, you know, you meet a lot of writers, you know, they're professional writers. And they say, well, I write, you know, you just tell me what to write and I'll write it. And I'm going, right. well, what good is that? You know, I mean, it's like you could do that. But, you know, why don't, why don't you write what you want to write about? So, well, you know, you know, that's and so I enjoy it. I'm writing about Easy Rollins or I'm, I'm, I'm doing my some science fiction novel that I'm you know having a lot of fun with or, you know, I, I, whatever I'm doing. Uh, th that's what I like to do. Mm -hmm. And that's what, you know, it, it, I'm glad, you know, it pays the rent. That's a good thing, you know, because without paying the rent, I'd have to, you know, get another job and write, you know, and th this way I don't have to do too much. I mean, you could say that, you know, you could say working in Hollywood is kind of a day job, you know, um, but, you know, there's there's something. One, it's still writing. And two, it, it it's something else. Um, I mean, is there a different, I mean, you, well, obviously you're saying that it's two different things. Do you get different kind of pleasures out of both, you know, working on a novel and working in television? I've been trying to get Michael Conley on the podcast. And he just mm -hmm. went through that whole thing with his books um, and the television show now that uh, Bosch, mm -hmm. um, which is a huge thing. So it seems like you're part of that world too. Can you talk a little bit about that? When did you start working in film and television? Oh, about five years ago or six. Well, you know, I made a movie, you know, they made a movie out of Devil in a Blue Dress. That was 93, 96, something like that. Then, then, then we did another movie that I wrote called Always Outnumbered, which I did for HBO with, with Michael Apted, Lawrence Fishburne. And then, you know, for a long time, I didn't do it. I, mean, I wanted to do things, but, you know, it, it was, I don't know, I didn't. And then five years ago, John Singleton called me and he says, Walter, I'm doing this show. It's going to be called a uh, 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 snowfall, and it's about uh, you know uh, you know dealing dealing cocaine in uh, in in the hood in the eighties and nineties. I got uh huh okay material there, <laughs> and, and I says so. And he goes, I need you to be in the room. I said, John, I don't write television shows. I don't I even know how to write a, a you know a television episode. He says that doesn't matter. Just come in. You'll be an advisor. You'll be in the room. And I said. All right. And he goes, you know, I need you. I need you to be there because, you know, people are going to be, you know, people say different things and I know you'll back me up. And I said, OK, yeah, sure. And I, I went in the room and and uh, yeah, sat there. I had you know, a lot of fun, you know, made a little bit of money. Uh, and then I came in the next season, you know, actually, this the first time I went in, it wasn't the season. We we're just getting it together. And then the, the next year was a season and I came in. I was talking. 
you know, and and at the end of that, the guy who ran the room, this guy, Dave Andron, says, Walter, as long as you can be sitting here, why, why don't you write a script? And I said, uh, all right, you know, I'll try. I don't, you know, I don't know what it's going to look like. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then slowly I learned, you know, and, and then, you know, and that, you know, from that other things grew. I mean, it got into trouble here and there, you know, with other people, you know, I was in a, I was in a, 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 a room where I, I was, telling these people. And I said, well, this cop uh, called me a nigger. And, and then I got called by HR and they said, well, you use that word. I said, well, yeah, I did. Yeah. You know, but the cop said it to me. I was just saying what the cop said to me. And they said, well, you know, you can't do that. And I got really mad and I quit. I just said, listen, if I can't talk, you know, I mean, you coming up and tell me saying, uh, I should say the N word. Now a guy can say the N word all day long. It means the same thing, but it's okay. You know, I'm just saying, you know, cause this cop definitely did not say, well, you know, well, the N word, you know, and anyway, um, so, you know, that was, a that was an interesting moment. I got, you know, I, I, I was, I'm unpopular in certain areas and very popular in others for doing, it. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, but, uh, but, you know, I, I got better and better. You know, I'm an executive producer now of that show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I'm doing, you know, my show with, with Sam Jackson, the, uh, you know, the, the, the last days of Tommy Gray, which is, you know, a lot of fun. And I'm, there's a couple of other uh, shows. I wrote a, a novella called Archibald Lawless, Anarchist at Large, trying to do that. Amblin has, you know, uh, uh, you know, made the deal with me to at least try to make the Easy Rollins series, uh, you know. Uh, oh, and they we're making a movie in in, uh, in England uh, from uh, from Book of Mine, the, the Man in My Basement. Uh, well, okay, so so if if, if if we can pause right there, I just want to go back. You had mentioned <laughs> that from the f- <laughs> they made it, yeah. the first movie they made out of a book of yours. Uh huh. What was that experience like? How did that happen? Was that someone approached you? I mean, what? How did that happen? Yeah, we we sold it. Uh, I think it was to TriStar. Uh-huh. And, and TriStar came... You said came, the early, mid-90s this was? Yeah, yeah. Early 90s. Uh, sold it to uh, TriStar. They, they they came up with the director, Carl Franklin, who I loved. Uh, uh, Denzel Washington, you know, star. Jennifer Beals. I mean, it was a, it was a good cast. Tom was that Friday. a total trip for you, or were you kind of level-headed about that whole process? Yeah, I, I think I was level-headed. You, uh-huh. know, I mean, you know, I don't know. Don Cheadle was in it, too. That was Don Cheadle's first really big thing. Okay. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean... You know, the thing is, is that, you know, I, I think, you know, one of the things that's great about writing, coming to writing when you're when you're older, mm-hmm. you know, y- you have less kind of like, you know, uh, unsubstantiated expectations, you know, so well, I'm, I'm going to be famous. I'm going to. Well, you know, maybe, you know, you're going to be famous. And, and even if you are famous, you're still you. You know, uh, the the idea that, the, you know, and, and, and the problem becomes is that, you know, this, we live in capitalism. Capitalism is defined by the production line. The production line works like this. You put the left front tire on the Pinto. That's your job. That thing, that kind of specialization exists everywhere. You write a mystery. I write a mystery and the publisher says, where's the next mystery? I said, well, I'm not writing mystery next. I'm writing the science fiction novels. We're not going to publish that. This has happened to me again and again. And I go, what do you mean? It's like, because you are a mystery writer. That's what uh-huh. you mean. And I go, uh-huh. Okay, fine. I'm going to go to another publisher and I'm going to promise them my next mystery novel if they publish my science fiction novel. And, and I, that's, and I've been, I've done that forever, you know, cause I, I have 60 books, 24 of them are mysteries. The rest of them are other kinds of books, you know, which 
I like. Well, well, did that kind of? You're saying did that pigeonhole you as a mystery writer? All writers, almost all writers, are pigeonholed. Yeah, yeah. You you become a crime writer, a science fiction writer, a a, a writer who writes about feminism, a writer who writes about you know uh, war. You know, Mm -hmm. you you know, and every once in a while, there's a writer who doesn't doesn't have to do that. You know, there's a certain kind of you know acceptance. That allows you to, you know, uh, some largesse, but not, not as a rule, uh, you know, and, and, you know, and, and that can really mess with you. Like if, if you say, okay, now I can only write mysteries, not only mysteries, they didn't want me to just write mysteries. They just wanted me to write about easy Rollins. If I said, yeah. I'm going to write about something else, they go, no, 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 we can, you can't do that because, and I say, yeah, well you, because, because no, mm-hmm. I'm not. And, but you know, that's, you know, I'm, I'm, I was old enough to know, like the reason I didn't want to be a programmer anymore. I like, I like programming. Um, but I didn't want to look backwards and to see every day of my life, like, you know, little things on, on folders, you know, like, and every day would be the same, you know, back over 30 years or 40 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be the same thing if I wrote, you know, mysteries about easy Rollins for 40 years. I mean, if that's the only thing I did, that would really be boring. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I- you're bringing up some a couple of interesting things, and um, I want to ask you this question. You know, again, let's go. Let's use dates. You know, you came into it. You know, into your own in the early '90s. You know, mm-hmm. Instagram, Twitter, those things weren't even a thought. Um, right. Nowadays, new authors. You know, not only do they have to write their books, they also have to have a whole other personality online. And like you were saying, it's. E- Authors are very easy easy to pigeonhole if you're, you know, a feminist writer or a gay writer or a mystery mm-hmm. writer. And now it's even times 10 because if you're a popular writer on social media, you really got to lean into whatever it is you're yeah. doing. Yeah, it's true. Uh, if, if, you know, I mean, you can define yourselves in other, yourself in other ways, you know, and... Um, you probably won't be as successful as a successful writer who's been pigeonholed. Meaning to say, a successful writer that's been pigeonholed is going to make a lot of money. I mean, I mean when you watch, you watch television, there are actors who can only be in science fiction shows. Like, they can only be in crime shows. It's r- ridiculous, and they're actors. What the hell? This is not... They could use these talents doing anything. Yeah, yeah. Yes, but this is the way that we sell them, yeah. you know. And so you have to you know, make that decision. I made the decision in the beginning. You know, I said, I'm going to write all the kinds of stuff. And, you know, but, you know, listen, I'm a, you know, I do all kinds of stuff. You know, I, I write about crime or I do science fiction. I'm a black writer in America and very proud of that. Uh, I, I have uh, lots of opinions and ideas and I don't mind talking about them. Uh, if I'm talking to somebody like you, you may, may notice that I haven't mentioned the book that, that I, I'm supposed to be on your show to talk about at all. I mean, it is true. You know, it's a book called Blood Grove, but, you know, we're all, we're all, yeah, see, we, I have fun, you know, like, and, and I, I think that if you have fun and if you're clear about what you're doing and you can express that, um, then you at least have a chance to be successful and you definitely have a chance to be doing what you love to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, we talked to some, again, some other authors. I know some comedy writers, you know, people who write for television shows and things like that. And it's like, they're stuck in a room and it's a factory. You're writing the same freaking every day, pump it out, pump it out, pump it out. I mean, you know, it, it's, it provides a living for people and it's definitely a thing to yep. do. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I'm, you know, you know nothing about me, but I, 
you know, I put my, I wrote a boxing novella that came out three weeks before the world shut down. And mm-hmm. I wrote a novella because I didn't, I had a couple of ideas for novels, but what we're talking about right now being pigeonholed about something. And mm-hmm. I was writing a Jewish mafia book. Mm-hmm. And w- one of the things I'm working on, and one of my friends, my, they were like, if this is the first novel you try to pitch, you're going to be a mafia Jewish novel guy. He's like, this do you want to make you a mafia novel Jewish guy? Tell us, you know, please you, tell us. You talk about comedy and yeah, there are a lot of people. That's what they do. They sit in a room like in, you know, in the old Dick Van Dyke show, Maury Amsterdam and, you know, and, 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 and Anne Marie. And they're just like making jokes and that's what they do all day. I said, but if you're Dave Chappelle, Dave Chappelle or you're Richard Pryor, yeah. you know, or, I mean, or, 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 there's all of these incredible comedians who actually start to m- make their life part of, of their shtick, mm-hmm. you know, and then they, you know, they might do a movie and they might do this and they might do that. You know, it, it's, it's, uh, people will try to, uh, to, to pigeonhole you, but you can, you know, go, go beyond it. Um, you know, my friend, I have a good friend. He just died. Walter Bernstein. He, he wrote a movie called the front. He's 101. Uh, but, you know, Walter, Walter was an incredible guy. He, he did box when he was in, in the army. He was the first person ever to interview Tito in Yugoslavia when the Nazis controlled uh, Yugoslavia. He one of the, the articles that he wrote, he rode all over Harlem with Sugar Ray Robinson in his pink Cadillac. Oh, so that, that was when Sugar Ray was Sugar Ray. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was when Sugar Ray was Sugar Ray, you know, because Walter's old. Uh you know, uh, when Paul Robeson uh, marched and, and, and people, you know, people hated him because of his communism and they were throwing rocks at him. You know, Walter was one of the people who walked with Robeson to so if pe- people threw rocks. He could, you know, try to, you know, avoid it. I asked him once, I said, so, Walter, did they arrest you? He said, no, 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 no. They just beat me up some. But it was OK. You know, so I mean, when you look at a guy like that, like him, he did all kinds of stuff. If, if you just go about, say, well, I'm going to be living my life. And somebody doesn't come, well, you know, if you want to keep making this salary, yeah. you can't live this part of your life. So, well, you know, fuck you. You go over there and I'm going to keep doing what I do. It, you know, hopefully it'll work. I mean, anything can fail. But listen, you can write the same book that they want you to write again and again and again. I, I, most people I know who do that, people stop buying those books. And then they can't do anything else. So it's not that you're assured you're going to be successful by doing that either. Because mm-hmm. it's not something you love and it's not something that everybody else loves. Yeah. Um, to go back to what you were saying before, you know, I mean, uh, like comedians doing the same shtick, I instantly thought of James Gandolfini. Um, mm-hmm. He is forever Tony Soprano. He was in other movies before, he was in things after, <laughs> but I see a photo of James Gandolfini. He is Tony Soprano. Um, you know, I, I, I had never spoken to Stephen King, but I'm curious what Stephen, you know, he would be a person to talk to about this, right? I mean, he, from the from the get go was kind of like, but maybe it's something he loves to do. I don't know. Yeah, I, um, I think Stephen doesn't. I think that's that's what he he does. I mean, everyone's want his short stories are extraordinary. The boxing and, books, love that. That's my favorite Stephen King. And and you know some of these are not they're not you know horror or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, but, yeah. And because he, he loves writing and he loves reading and stuff like that, but he likes those those you know those big you know horror novels of his, and he's writing them and. And I, I don't think that he has any problem with it. Yeah. He certainly doesn't have to do it. You yeah. know, he's made enough money. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but you know, some people, they can't stop it. They just have to do it. 
they, they say, well, I need the success. I need the input. I, I need the followers, you know, like, you know, on, on Twitter, you know, like, it's like, come on, man, you know, who, these people following you, what do you want to do? I was, I was, I was, a friend of mine had written a novel and she was doing very well. And so I, I, I wrote her an email. I wrote her an email and I said, you're doing very well. That's really wonderful. And just like that, she answered. She was just on, you know, like, you know, I mean, it was what she wanted. She says, thank you very much. That's wonderful. I'm doing this and I'm doing that and I'm doing this. And then, you know, and she was off, you know, to talk to somebody else. And, you know, listen, if you like it, you know, especially young people today, that's kind of one of the ways that they communicate. It's not what I do. You know, I'm lucky. I, I, I published books when, when that wasn't the thing. Now people do know my name. And so I'm able to, you know, to sell books. And I'm able to work, you know, out in here in, in Hollywood. And, you know, and I'm, I'm happy, you know. Yeah. Cool. Well, I mean, like, if people look at your bibliography, like, your bibliography is kind of like David Bowie's discography. It's <laughs> like... <laughs> It's like every year you got another banger out, another one out, another one out, another one out. I mean, are you going to do that till it's just you can't do it anymore? Is that the pace you always plan on keeping? Well, you know, I, I have no intention of stopping now. Yeah. And, you know, that's really good. And you know, I, I keep writing. And, you know, I, listen, you know, one day, you know, I, I might stop. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, right now, I just, you know, if I wasn't writing every day, I don't know what I'd be doing. You know, yeah. I got up this morning. I had to, you know, work on, on um uh, rewriting the pilot for this the series I'm doing, and you know, and, and that was a lot of fun, and I'm you know, and, and then you now that was over, and I worked a little bit on a drawing, and I I did a little little tiny bit of exercise, and I'm I'm okay. Yeah. Know? Um. Did anyone help you or mentor you early on with any of the screenwriting process? Not none. Well, I you know, it's interesting about me and screenwriting. Twenty some years ago, uh. Walter Bernstein brought me to the Sundance Institute where, they, you know, they have, you know, two, twice a year they teach screenplay writing. And I went and I, and I learned some stuff and I, and I learned really that I couldn't do the kind of movie I wanted to do uh, yet. I didn't have the talent for it or, or the experience, but still, you know, I got somebody else to make it. So it's fine. And then a few years later, Walter said, Walter, I want you to come teach at Sundance. And I went, but Walter, everybody is Sundance, including, you know, the students know more than I do. And he said, yeah, that's right. That's right. But there are things you know that they don't know. So you need to go. And we argued about it for a couple of years. And finally, I went just to prove to him that that it wouldn't work. Not to ski. Huh? I said not to ski. (laughs) (laughs) But. They love me at Sundance and I teach there. I've been teaching there for 20 years mm-hmm. because I know a lot about story. And, you know, so I can, you know, so I can look at, you know, what you're doing in story, you know, and also I'm, I'm not stuck, you know, with, well, you know, the three act structure and, you know, the, this, and, and what's the theme of your, you know, the story. It's like, you know, uh, you know, you, you, look at, you watch a movie like the law, you know, uh, lost in Las Vegas. And, and you say, well, what's the theme? I said, come on, man, what's the theme? Like, give me a break. You know, uh, you know, because I, you know, I, I, just, I just enjoy it, and and you know, and 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 I'm, I, you know, I don't make any money. They don't pay me to do this thing. Um, I meet a lot of you know people who become famous, really, but uh, that doesn't help me either. You know, and and I don't care that it doesn't help me. Yeah. Because uh, because again, I think that what you should be doing, at least what I should be doing, is living my life. And, it, and 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 creativity in my life is is like the most important thing. You know, it, it's like, you know, other people, it's other things. But, you know, for me, it's, it's creativity. I'm, I'm saying I, I can create, uh, you know, by drawing, by by writing, um, by helping other people figure out things that they're trying to do, like I do at Sundance, you know. 
It's great. Do you have a community? You, you talked about a writing group that you had earlier in the podcast. Do you have a community of people you kind of share your work with? You workshop with people? You know, I no, I don't. I have a publisher uh, who's I, 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 the, my fourth book. I think I, I I decided to give to a black publisher because not because you know, listen, if, if you sell a book, you get ten to fifteen percent of the cover, right? The other eight, you know, ninety to eighty five percent goes to the publisher because publishers are not funded by the government. They only hire the people they know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's kind of an unconsciously racist thing. Everybody's white in publishing. Mm-hmm. It's changed a little in the last 10 years, not that much, but, and so my thing is, is while I'm writing about black people and black people are reading these books, if I give it to a black publisher, then they're, all the money will, you know, go to a place I'd like it to go. Not every book, but, you know, I published a book with Paul now and then. Paul's a wonderful guy. He was a Black Panther in the day. Uh, his son is one of the most famous writers in America now, uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. He, uh, he's, uh, and you know, it, it's great. So whenever I write a book, I give it to Paul. Whenever I write a book, I say, Paul, I just wrote a book. He said, well, send it over and let me take a look. You know, but I give it to him because Paul likes reading my books. And he's a smart guy. I give it to him, you know, like, you know, sometimes he says he didn't like something. And I said, well, you don't like it, but I'm going to do it anyway. You know, uh, or, it's, you know, whatever. It, it doesn't really matter. But, you know, the idea, you know, so many writers spend so much time, you know, they're going to school, they're in this group, they're, you know, this stuff, and they end up writing about writers writing, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm writing about a, a man who's writing a memoir, you know, and you're going, well, why don't, why don't you just write a memoir, you know, and tell me something, you know? And, uh, and, and so I, I don't, most of my life isn't spent, you know, with writers. I have a few really good writer friends. That's about it. Yeah. I mean, you know, I come from the music world. So I, by, you know, I've been touring in bands for almost two decades. So everyone mm-hmm. I know is a musician. So mm-hmm. having this podcast now, speaking with other authors, now having these conversations, a lot of authors really aren't friends with other authors. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all musicians just are kind of stuck with each other because no one well, else work together. Right. I mean, unless you're a soloist, that's what it is. Right. And, and writing is such a solo expedition mm-hmm. that I think we're always so not again, I, insecure is a blanket word to use, but it's such a personal process. That's a bring other people in, especially other writers. Yeah, it's, it's kind of difficult, you know, you know there's, there's a magic in music. One of the things I'm, I'm working on is a, is a, is a, a, a kind of a mini series about uh, Louis Armstrong. Oh, wow. And, and Louis Armstrong, you know, a King Oliver uh, said, told Armstrong, uh, you know, he, King Oliver was in Chicago. And he tells Armstrong, say, man, you got to come play with me. And, you know, and they, and they, you know, there's all these people talked about it. And Armstrong wrote a couple of memoirs. So it's really good. And like Oliver would start to play and Armstrong would echo or, or play off every note that Oliver played. Like when I read that, I go, oh, my God, that must have been because so, nobody could do that. Yeah. I mean, Oliver couldn't do it. Yeah. You know, he just says, like, but this guy can sit there and play with me yeah. and enhance the music note for note. Almost guess the notes he's going to apply. Yeah. 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 And, you know, and, 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 he can, and make the right decisions, even if it isn't exactly what he's going to do, whatever he did is going to go, you know, you, well, you know, you're a musician. So, um, and, and, you know, that's wonderful. And that really is working with people, yes. you know, 
uh, you know, I mean, jazz almost, you know, especially, you know, in, in, in America, you know, it goes into blues, it goes into rock and roll, all kinds of stuff. But but starting with jazz, uh, you know, you you have to you have to know how to you know play without somebody telling you what to do. Oh, which, yeah. Um, are you a big jazz fan? Yeah. Listen, I love jazz. I mean, you yeah. know, I, I don't know if I'm a big jazz fan, but I do love it. You know, yeah. I, I mean, mean you ever, you ever, I mean, before the world shut down, you said you were living in New York. You ever go to any, any of the clubs? You ever go oh, out sure. to see jazz? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you, you know, you go, you go, but, you know, I mean, it, it's not the New York that it was, you know, but, uh, you know, there, there are a lot of, you know, there's, 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 there's jazz there, unlike any place else, you know, and the, and the, and the people who run it are the people who know its history. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people are playing music today, you know, that they kind of call jazz. It's not really jazz. And also it, it, it's not, it, 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 it's not part of, um, what am I trying to say? It's not, it, it doesn't pay attention to where it came from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, in, in a lot of places, LA is one of those places. I'm not that happy with, with uh, jazz here, but in New York, it's, you know, it's cool. And in, and, you know, and well, I guess Chicago, it's blues and in, yeah. in, it's outrageously good there. Yeah, no, I love Chicago. Um, and growing up, I mean, my, my father was taking me into the, into my first concert was at the Beacon Theater. I was six years old, all my mm-hmm. brothers. Um, but I mean, he was taking me, I mean, my dad's a big blues guy. So we were going to BB Kings all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I grew up in Bergen County, so just right over the bridge. Um, uh-huh. or you said you're in LA now, but you're mainly a New York kind of guy. In New York, yeah, I'm a New Yorker, yeah, yeah. That affect huh? your writing at all? Uh, you know, it did after a while. You know, listen, I hadn't lived in LA for 20 years when I started writing, and I was, I started writing about LA. It was what came out of me naturally. Yeah, uh, I I write quite a few stories that happen in New York. Uh, my, you know, that my, you know, I have a detective whose, whose father loved jazz, who named him King Oliver, uh, actually even the real name, Joe King Oliver. Uh, and, and, you know, he's not a musician, but, but he loves, you know, he, you know, he loves jazz and talks about it. Uh, I mean, yeah, blues, yes, jazz, but blues too. And, um, you know, so so I do, you know, and I write about, you know, listen, I write about everything. I write science fiction, so in far in the fusion and places that are not here. You know, I'll write about, uh, you know, uh, Georgia in 1840. You know, I'll write, you know, write about anything. What, at, you know, I, I think I, I at some point or another, I started to feel free about, you know, creating place, you know, which is one of the hardest things in writing fiction. Do you, do I believe in the place? Do I believe, if, if I believe in the place, then I can believe in the characters because they, all of a sudden there's gravity. There's something. Yeah. Um, immediately Saul Bellow comes to mind. I don't know if you're a fan of his work. Um, okay. He wrote a lot of his stuff in Chicago. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, he puts, I mean, it, boom, right from the get-go, he puts you in Chicago. He's one of the authors that kind of just immediately came to mind when you were saying that. Um, God, you're talking about Chicago authors. I'm trying to remember the guy's name. Another Chicago author. Yeah, he's really a, a great guy. Jewish he, guy too. I don't know if he, if he was Jewish. Uh, I don't know if he was Jewish. He was a, but he was he was a real political guy. I mean, he, you know, he would have gotten blacklisted if he didn't have. He had radio shows. He did he did everything about about right, and he wrote uh, you yeah. know wrote about uh, memoirs and stuff. Yeah. I, I forgot his name. He was great, though. I used to love him being interviewed by him because he would know my books better than I knew my books. 
Well, I mean, again, this is obviously at, at this point, we're 30 plus minutes into this. You realize this is not really an interview. It's more of a conversation. Um, I mean, do you like being interviewed? Is that something I mean, at this point? I mean, how many? Well, you, you know, it's, you know, being interviewed is not a problem. You know, one of the great things about, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, the sheltering in place, the quarantine, um, if you're know, talking to somebody, I, I did an interview, you know, maybe you know, about half an hour before this. And, yeah. you know, I'm going to talk to you now. Uh, and I've been working all day long talking to people about what I'm doing. But, yeah. you know, I'm home. You know, I put it yeah. down, you know, go have a drink, you know, yeah. you have some eat. Uh, the problem is when you're on tour, you know, oh, I got to fly to, you know, Cincinnati. And then I got to stay in this hotel that I don't like. And then I got to go do a reading. And the next day I got to fly somewhere else. I go to St. Louis, yeah. you know. Work out in a crappy hotel gym. Uh, but talking, talking is fun, you know. I mean, you know, I mean, it's yeah, fun. yeah. I mean, again, in the podcast is really. I, I'm not trying to bore people to death by talking about the specifics. It's just uh, the listeners love hearing just people, you know, who who these pe- authors are. Because again, you know, a lot of the times authors to people are just you know the photo on the, the yeah. back of the book, you know, and it's this podcast is shining a lot of light on this world, you know, before people don't really know who these people writing these books are. Right. And, and much better for, you know, cause it's, you know, listen, I mean, like for instance, the, you know, the, the New York times really, they only review my mysteries uh, and, you know, not even special, just, you know, and, and they have a roundup, you know? Uh, and so, you know, you, you don't, People will have to know me already. The whole idea, and you know, are doing television. Television is really hard. Uh, you know, you know, because there's not that much time on television, sure. and there's not that much local television anymore. Sure. Yeah, and so you know, the, the idea of doing a podcast, or you know, it's really, uh, it's really good. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, I seem to kind of hit on a little niche. I mean, at this point, you know, the publishers are hitting me up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so yeah it's, been, uh, it's been cool. Um, well, this has been an absolute blast, Walter. I know, you know, you seem like a busy man. I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Um, I do ask two kind of quick questions at the end. First yeah. off, um, we talked about it earlier. Do you do social media? Are you on anything? Yeah, I have a Facebook thing, you know, okay. that I, that's out there in the world. So, you know, people you know, can go to it and, you know, see what I'm doing and stuff like that. I, you know, it's not I, it's not like a, a very interactive. Sure. You know, I mean, I just put things out there. Uh, yeah. So there's that. But, you know, I don't do it. I'm not doing Twitter. I'm not, you know. I'm you're not, not, you're not. Tw- OK, no, we're, we're not going to get a thousand thread tweet from you. Not, not that kind of thing. No worries. Uh, and the second question I ask, you're a bi-coastal guy. Where are people buying your books from? What bookstores do you like to rep? Huh. That, you know, that's interesting. Uh, there's a book store in, in, in uh, L.A. where I am, you know, Esawan, that I love. It's a great bookstore. And I've been, I've been doing readings at that bookstore since my first book. You know, so that's, you know, that's, that's really good. You know, and, and it's interesting because, you know, a lot of the bookstores, like, you know, in New York have – they're they're new. They're you know, falling apart, you know, because old time bookstore owners, it was easy to have a bookstore. You just had it. People come in and buy, buy books. It wasn't really a business. Yeah. And now it's you know, they're new bookstores starting all over again. People who really have a business plan and they know how they're doing and how they're approaching, you know, their audience. And, you know, so it's it's a it's a new thing. So uh, at one time I would have had, you know, bookstores everywhere, but I, I don't now. You know, I mean, it's true. I don't know. Uh huh. Well, I mean, any and do you strand bookstore? You gotta throw. Give us one New York. I love. Well, I love the strand. I okay. mean, you know, that's just you know not, that had nothing to do. You know, yeah. All right. No, nothing to do with me being a writer. I love the strand. <laughs> Go there. You know. Yeah. It's like, Have you ever like, done any readings in San Francisco in your career? 
Yeah, I've done readings all over San Francisco. A lot of times you, you try to, at, you know, at this point, you know, because a lot of people know, I, it, it's, I, I don't so much read in bookstores. I read it like in, you know, in, in the, you know, places where you can get a couple of hundred people or a few yeah. hundred people and, and, and you do it. But, you know, I, you know, I, I, no, I've read everywhere. Like yeah. there's really almost no place you can name that I haven't read in, you know, I, I've, I've read in Selma, Alabama. I mean, I can't even believe that, yeah. you know, but you know, I, you know, all over the place. Walter, man, what a blast. And I'm actually going to ask, I, I want to get one of your paintings from my wall. Maybe one day I can get one of your paintings. All right. Let's, we'll work that out. I love it. Walter, thanks so much for taking the time. Thank you very much. It's nice to meet you. Bye-bye.